Well, good morning, everyone. Hope you're well and enjoying, I'm not sure whether it's the third or the second winter, but we're on our way to uh, the normal six or seven winters that we have here. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Ravi. Appreciate all that you've done for the cold weather coming again. We will have words later. I think we should bring you before the Board of Elders just to talk through what happens next year. But uh, welcome home to those of you on site and those of you online as well. And I know that uh, John has already, I guess, welcomed those of you that are maybe here for the first or second time, but new people, guests within our community. But I'd love to meet you after the service. I'm going to be out there in common ground and come up and say hi and have a bit of a conversation if you're new or fairly new and uh, just help me to get to know you. And yeah, it'll be good. But are you ready to come around today's word? Four or five of you at least. So I'm going to speak to you if that's okay. Why don't we stand to our feet and pray just for a moment? Father God, I thank you that we're in your house today. And whatever state we came in through the door, God, whether we're ready to hear from you, whether we are just almost at the end of everything, God, I pray that we will, we will hear from you. I pray for those that are desperate at the moment, in this room or online. God, your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted. God, I pray that you would speak to people that need to hear from you this morning. I pray for those of you that have never heard about you, never made a decision to follow you. God, I pray that something today, whether it's just the warm welcome, some of the words of the song or something that I have to say, God, I pray that they will turn their attention to you and they will open their hearts to you. In your name, amen. Why don't you grab your seats? Over the past few weeks, we've looked briefly at the story of the picture, hopefully, that will come up behind me. And it is the story of a simple urinal. But this urinal, when you look into it, actually surprisingly when it's with a group of 14 others, is worth $100 million. Now, don't go home and check your own toilets, uh, because it's very unlikely that your toilet will be worth anything near that amount. But when you look at it, you'll see, interestingly, there is some writing on it. And it's the writing, the signature of the author, and where it's placed brings a whole new story to this simple urinal. If you find an ordinary urinal in an ordinary shop, you know that it's just worth what the price says on it. But if you find out like this one that there is a great value, then you know there is a story behind it. You see, when the master artist, and that's who put this in an art gallery. Marcel Duchamp, even though he's called himself R. Mutt, I have no idea why. But when he put his signature on it and when he put it in the right setting, 
the value increased astronomically. And when the master artist put his signature on something, the story becomes valuable. And it's the same with each of our stories. As followers of Jesus, we believe that he has put his signature on our lives. And we go from ordinary to extraordinary. We go from ordinary use to being a masterpiece in his hands with a story behind each of us. A viral story that can be repeated. A viral story that can be spread widely. And that's what we're looking at and have been looking at over these past few weeks. But as we begin to unpack some of the things over the years through different environments, we're going to be looking at a viral story. How can my story, as insignificant as it is, be a viral story? Not someone else's story. It's amazing how we think other people's stories are so much more interesting than our own. But actually, when the master artist places signature on our lives, our story becomes valuable to other people. And maybe you're here and you've never joined in this story of following Jesus yet, but today you will be given an opportunity to do just such a thing. Your story has value and purpose but it needs to be told. And we, we want to be able to answer the question, how can I tell my story? And there is an equipping and empowering of each follower of God to say, this is who I was, but God changed me, and this is who I am now. We can all have a but God story. I was in this situation, but God did something incredible in my life, and my life was changed. I don't know if you've ever, I'd imagine most of us have been in a situation where we've been completely at a loss. Can't find the words, not sure what to say, and not sure what to do. And I think, as followers of Jesus, that's what many of us feel like. When, we, when it comes to that opportunity where we have to step into and tell our story, we're at a loss. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. What are the words? I don't want to offend anyone. So what are the words? But there's actually a promise in the Bible that talks about that. A promise that says, I'm going to put words in your mouth. There's a promise that says, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you power to be able to tell your story. There is a, a practical aspect to our story. What things do I need to say? How can I tell my story? And we're going to look, as I said, about, we're going to look into that over the year. But there's also, if I can say, a spiritual aspect to our story. How do I do that? And the reality is, we shouldn't, as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't be afraid and we should not step away or shy away from the spiritual side of our equipping. See, most of the world around us is actually fine with spirituality. Have you noticed that? All you have to do is go on social media and you have people doing spiritual things and talking about the spiritual side of life. I remember as a 
<coughs> excuse me, as a so child protection social worker and embedded in the Children's Rights or the Children's Act 1989, which then became 2004, I think it was. There's actually, it, it, embedded in that, there's, there's talk about the spiritual side of children's lives and the welfare of children. So we shouldn't be afraid and we shouldn't shy away from talking about spirituality. Social media, as I said, is full of people embracing spirituality. Oprah has become the queen of spirituality. And the more spirituality we embrace, the better. Have you noticed that? You can embrace everything, and it's great. But if you embrace one thing, then there's a problem. And that's, that is a problem in itself. Choosing every way is fine, but choosing one way is a problem. And there is a spiritual promise from Jesus that tells us he will empower us to be able to tell our story. I don't know about you, but there can be a, like a reticence at the least, but almost like an overwhelming fear at the other end of the scale when we think about telling people about Jesus, but also about us in the Jesus story. And if you're on site or online right now and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, can I say you're not here by accident? The reality is it's likely someone invited you. And you've come because you've seen something about their life that's been attracted, attractive to you. Or maybe you've been going through a situation, <coughs> excuse me, and someone has told you a bit of their story, a bit of maybe how they've gone through a similar situation, and you thought, I want what they have. I want to step into that thing that seems to enable them to go through the same situation as I go through. I want to know more. See, that story or the bit of the story that you may have heard or they may have unpacked is not just about a community. It's not just an invite to come to church, to a church meeting. It is partly about that, but it is definitely about what Jesus has done in their life. As followers of Jesus... We have been commanded. We have been given the why we should tell our story, and we have been given the power to do so. Acts 1 verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. I want to talk about that word in a moment. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Power to be witnesses. We're given what we need to do the job that we've been commanded to do, which is tell our story. Tell the story of us in the greater story of who Jesus is. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit. See, this gives us our mission, but it also gives us the power to do our mission. It then Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying, I want you to go to Jerusalem. That's the immediate vicinity around them. It's the, the people that are just like us. I want you to tell the people that are close to you and just like you. But then Judea, which is a wider area, still the people that are like them. 
but are a bit further away. And then he talks about Samaria, those people. And they didn't lo- the Jewish people didn't like the Samaritans. You will have heard the, the, the parable that Jesus tells of the good Samaritan, the one that wasn't like the guy that was injured. And Jesus says, I want you to go to the people that actually aren't like you and tell them about it. And then all the world, those people that are far away and not like us at all. So Jesus says, I'm going to give you the power to tell your story. But it's not just about words. It's about the power to live out our life in that situation as well. After the the four Gospels, as they're known, the stories of Jesus' walk on earth, there's a book called The Acts of the, the Apostles. It's really just the stories of what happened at, straight after Jesus died and rose and went to heaven. And it tells the story of Jesus' followers, his early disciples, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, and the first church was formed. And it says that they received the power of the Holy Spirit so that they could be better witnesses to what Jesus had done on earth. The Holy Spirit comes to equip us to be witnesses and then also gives us gifts to help build the church. When you look at the word witness, even in today's modern language, it means to be a sign or proof of something. I've had to go to court several times in my previous roles to be a witness either for or against something. You get called to be a witness, to be a record of something. You're saying, what I've I've seen or what I've experienced is true because I'm telling you this. But the word is actually martyr. I don't know if you realize that the word that is used here to be my witnesses is the word martyr. And obviously we get the term martyr as someone that lays down their life physically. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you power to be a record, to lay down your life. And for some of the disciples, it was a physical laying down of their life. But for many people, it's saying, my life, I'm going to give to you, Jesus. And I'm going to serve you to lay down our life. That's a tough one. It's easy to say, oh, yeah, I I can do that. But the reality of day after day, that's really tough. But Jesus doesn't just say, I need you to lay down your life. He says, I'm going to give you the power. I'm going to equip and empower you to do so. And that's through the Holy Spirit. When we think about it, we're all witnesses to something. Whether it's a a good, loving home upbringing or maybe a broken home upbringing. Our lives reflect that. And for some people, we have to make changes to counteract some of that stuff. But we are a witness to that. Some of us are witnesses to a diet of unhealthy food. Or even just simply a good film that we've seen. We are a witness to that. A commitment to our family. A love for a particular sport or hobby. We are a witness to that. But in terms of the faith that we have, The outward sign is is actually how we live our life. Not just a moral behavior. Not even just the words that we say, but how we live our life among community. 
that place of grace and forgiveness. And Jesus says, I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Not, not for some of the weird things that you see going on and whatever, but to be a witness. To actually enable you, empower you, and equip you to be able to tell the story, both in action and in words, of what God has done in our lives. Not just in this place. Not within the safe walls of this place, but as we go into our workplaces. As we go into our families, maybe for some of those that don't know Jesus. Our workplace, our schools, our universities, God says, I'm going to give you power to live your life in such a way that people are going to want to know what is different about you. And with that power, we read in Acts 4, verse 31, that there comes a boldness. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is the important thing. We can get caught up in, in some of the other stuff, but the important thing here it says, and spoke the word of God boldly. Imagine that. Imagine being able to speak boldly about what Jesus has done and is continuing to do in our lives. And the people around us recognize that there is something significant, something different about us. How do you go through those things? How do you step into those things of financial hardship, relationship breakdown? How do you deal with those things? God says, I'm going to empower you. Not just to speak about it, but to live it out. We are commissioned, given the charge of spreading the good news of Jesus. When you open up your social media, on the news, I have a news app on, on Apple, and you have to search really deeply to find good news. Have you noticed that? Every now and then there might be a, a, a little snippet of good news. Oh, and also, this is... Another baby panda was born in the zoo. Well, awesome. That's great. And then it lists off all the bad things. And we delve into that stuff. But Jesus says there's good news. The good news is that I came. I came to give you power. To cope with that stuff. To, to, to be forgiven from what the Bible calls sin. To know love, to know grace, to know forgiveness. And not just to know it, to experience it fully and then be able to give it out ourselves. None of this stuff that we experience as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is to be kept to ourselves. We're not meant to be reservoirs, we're meant to be rivers. Rivers of God's grace, rivers of God's love, rivers of God's forgiveness. But too often we store it up. We store it up in ourselves and we don't give it out. Jesus says, I'm going to send someone that's going to give you power, going to burst the dam in your life so that your story 
or speak to other people. So we've been commissioned to know Jesus and to make him known. See, God has done something in our lives that's incredible. It's amazing what God has done. He's taken us from this situation, not just about a situation that he's helped us through, but actually he's taken us, the Bible says, it's, he's taken us from a place of death into a place of life. I think it was C.S. Lewis that said, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. See, we've got to tell people that. Live people don't stay quiet. Even though, I'm just asking, is anyone still alive in this place? <laughs> See, we don't stay quiet. Because God has empowered us to be witnesses both in the walk and in the talk. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. And I love this passage so much. All this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us. See, reconcile is it's an accountancy term, bringing back into order. We reconcile the money and the checks, and, and, and Paul is using this, this ledger, this money ledger term, and God brought us back to himself. But then, it doesn't finish there. It says, through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He said, I've done it for you, now you go and bring other people to me. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Do you realize that you, I, we, in this situation, speak on behalf of God? That's a responsibility. Speak and act on behalf of God. He's making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He gave us his work. He gave us his message. He gave us his passion. That, that word appeal, implore, it's a, it's a strong word. I, when I read this passage, I always think, and, and I, I try to look, for the, the clip in, uh, in the film The Day After Tomorrow, but unfortunately I couldn't find it. And there's this young guy, and they're in this library, and they're experiencing uh, Saskatchewan weather. Everything's freezing outside. People are dying as they walk out. And this guy, one of the guys says, we're going to go and find help. And this young guy knows it is so dangerous out there that they shouldn't go. And they're in this library, and people start walking out. And he's there saying, please don't go. This is too dangerous. You're going to die if you go out there. That's the language that's being used here. We implore you not just to stop you doing something, but come into life. We're all called to do it. There's no, there's no get out clause. 
whenever, wherever, to whoever, using whatever methods. But the good news is, for those of us that feel, I can't do that. We've been given the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. So there's no stopping us. Can I, can I speak from my experience for a, moment, for a moment? I feel inadequate doing that. I know that's, well, a pa- you're a pastor. You stand up on stage and you speak that. Yes, but you're all out there. I'm not having a conversation with you, but when I get into those conversations with people, I, my tongue swells up and, you know, get tongue-tied. And What do I do? What do I say? We all, well, not all of us, some people just, in England we say, I don't know if you use the phrase here, we have the gift of the gab. Do you use that phrase? You just can't stop talking. But I feel inadequate. And, and, and often we take on board what the media says about Christians, and so we get embarrassed about telling people our story. We don't want to lose friends. We're not sure if we talk about Jesus, if people will accept us. Because the reality is there's been some bad things done in the name of Jesus. But we have to learn to get over that. How? By being empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, I want you to think of it in this way. The disciples had been around Jesus for at least three years. Okay, they'd seen, anyone watching The Chosen? My wife is forcing me to watch it. Yep. I'm in there, I'm getting it. I think we're coming to the last one of the series. Is it, right, Dee's already seen it. She says it's really emotional, so I'm struggling to watch it. But you sort of, they've been around Jesus, and I, 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 love, I, love, I do love The Chosen because it sort of gets you into the, the thinking and some of the emotions around it and what's going on and, but the disciples have been around this person, Jesus, for three years. They'd seen him do miracles. Not only had they seen Jesus do miracles, but he said, I want you to go out and I want you to do the same thing. And so they went out and they did the same thing. They saw people healed. They were there when Lazarus was raised from the dead. And so there's this being around Jesus And so you'd think, why would they need anything more? Surely, after seeing all of that stuff, they'd be raring to go. They'd be so confident, so bold. Yet Jesus said, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to help you tell your story. And if if Jesus is saying to the disciples, who'd experienced this incredible three years or so with Jesus. What makes me think I can do without the same thing? You know, and what I talked about a couple of weeks ago as well, is we don't do this because it's our duty. And there are certain religions that will tell people about their religion because it's part of their duty to do it. I feel obliged. I've been told, if I don't tell people, I don't get my place in wherever they believe in the afterlife. If I don't tell people, that's not 
the Christian thing. That's not what followers of Jesus do. We do it, it says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, because we are compelled by love. We're not driven by duty or obligation or guilt. We're not driven by the very fact, if I do this, then I'll get a better mansion in heaven. No, we do it because we have been loved. And we love the people around us. That's why we do it. We're compelled. Our lives are boundaried by. It drives us. It arrests us. It holds us together. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, do people know that we are followers of Jesus? Will they know because of our actions and our words? When people walk in this room, what will they experience? It shouldn't be just about an amazing worship team that we have or someone talking on the platform. That's not what Jesus said. People won't know that we are his followers by all of this stuff we do. Do you know the simple thing, the simple standard? So simple. He said, by your love for one another, will everyone know that you're my disciples? So simple, yet so difficult. It's not complicated, but it is hard. When people walk in this room or experience whatever aspect of church life it won't be the extraordinary building with the HVACs that work now I know what HVAC is thank you John it will be because of our love for one another and as people see that in our community and the many other extraordinary communities in our city in our country excuse me, in our country and across the world, it will be because we love each other. Love is a love that lays down its life for each other. Because the power to be witnesses is not just about speech, it is about action. And as we think about ourselves and people in our world, what do we need? Yes, some people need more money, they need a job, they need homes. But essentially, people need to be loved, to be accepted, and to be with, for want of a better phrase, to be with their people. We need to be in a group of people that love us and accept us. We're not united around a cause. We are united around the person of Jesus. Why? Because it tells us in Romans 5 verse 8 that while we were yet sinners, while we were still in our mess, while we were still messed up, he demonstrated his love for us. 1 John 4 verse 19 goes on. The next step, it says, we love because he first loved us. How do we love when it's difficult? Because we first have been loved. We first experienced it when we were unlovely. We can love each other because we have experienced the love of Jesus. But that is not something, as we've been told over and over again, 
Your truth is your truth. Keep your religion to yourself. How can you keep love to yourself? How can you keep something that means so much to yourself? How can you keep something that has changed our lives to ourselves? Matthew 5, 13 to 16, Jesus is talking and he says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste goodly, good godliness? You lo- you've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. Be, you're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this. And you can think, well, yeah, that's great. We're going we're gonna to do an advertising campaign as the church. No, we're not. We're going public with this because we've been empowered and equipped to tell our story in our place. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. See, as we shine, as we bring out the God colors, as we live our life, it's not just, it's not about us because we begin to point people towards Jesus. And I ask us the question here in this church is the Holy Spirit a topic or the person that we have ignored because of fear or because of our history? Jesus himself is saying you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God. He is our gift, the gift that empowers us to be witnesses, the gift that brings unity. Jesus himself said, all we have to do is ask. There's no no performance. There's no major undertaking. We don't have to have a line of people We could just go home and say, God, I want to be empowered to tell my story by your Holy Spirit. Jesus says that because his father is such a good father, he will give the gift to his children. So what's your story? What is your story? See, what what makes your life attractive isn't a sanitized, airbrushed, perfect, filtered picture that we've put On social media, it's actually living a life of grace and forgiveness. In that book I talked about, Acts chapter 4, it says that when people look around at the people, at at the disciples, it says they realize that these people have been with Jesus. Imagine that. Imagine someone looking at your life and going, I don't know what it is, but those Christians, I think they've been with Jesus. Later on, Acts 11, it says that Barnabas saw the evidence of the grace in people's lives. Do do people see grace in my life, in our life? In a book called Titus 2, a book called Titus 2, a book called Titus, chapter 2, verse 10, it says that we need to live our lives in such a way that it makes the story of Jesus attractive. To those around us. 
Our lives make the good news of the grace of Jesus attractive. So what's our story? The story of the church. It's about bringing people back into created relationship, creating space for people to come to know Jesus. A space where there are stories of healing, stories of God's forgiveness, stories of God's keeping power. So will you, will we, will I play my part, our part in this rich, interwoven tapestry that God is pulling together from many nations? Because we simply want to build a church that God takes pleasure in. In the Old Testament, Haggai, One of the books near the back of the Old Testament, Haggai 1, verse 7 and 8 says this, This is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring down timber and build a house that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. A church where we love each other and where we demonstrate that love for each other. So what do we do with our story? First part, of any good storyteller is listening. Where are people at with their story? What, what is their need? How can I relate to them? Where are they at in their life? But then we tell people about what Jesus has done in our lives. We invite people into a community of people that love and show their love for one another. And like that first picture, We allow the master artist to put his signature on our life and place us where he wants to place us. A place where he wants us to go public with his love, his grace and his forgiveness. We ask God to give us the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses to his love and his truth. So that we can speak with boldness. Not not just with words. Words can be easy at times. But words that back up the life that we live. Again, we walk the talk. Our lives become attractive to those around us because we've been equipped and empowered to tell our viral story. In a moment, we're going to take communion together. And that actually is part of the process of telling the story, and I'll talk a bit about that in a moment. But before we do that, I'd love us just to bow our heads, close our eyes, because what I want to do is invite people that have never made that decision to follow Jesus, never made the decision to to step into his love, his grace, his forgiveness. And that's for those on site and those online as well. And you're saying yes to Jesus. Yes to his love, yes to his grace, yes to his forgiveness. To step into this community that's not boundaried by the walls that you see. Maybe you've never done this before, but today you're ready to say yes. Or maybe you have done this before, but you've stepped out of that relationship. You've stepped away. And maybe you're back in church for the first time in a long time. And you haven't been following Jesus. You know that clearly. And today you want to come home. Back into that place of relationship. Back into that experience of God's love and grace and forgiveness. Or maybe you're a younger person that's grown up. Under the umbrella of your caregiver's faith. 
And today God is saying, I want you for myself. See, that's where God's keeping grace happens. If you're in any of those three groups, as we have our heads bowed and we're going to pray in a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something really simple, and that's just lift your hand. Maybe give it a wave so I can see it or one of the team that are at the back can see it as well. And you're just saying yes to Jesus. Taking that first little step, say, I don't know the road ahead, but I know I need to take that first step. And then we're going to pray. The reason I'm asking for the hand is because I love to know who I'm praying with. It's very simple. So if whether you're here on site or online, you're saying yes to Jesus. We're going to pray. And then after that prayer, we're going to celebrate. And I'm doing this now because I'd love to invite you. If you're saying yes to Jesus, I'd love to invite you to be part of communion because communion is for every believer. So you're saying yes to Jesus. Thank you. I see your hand over there. Who else? Just give me a wave. Let me know. And then we're going to pray. If you're on, online, you can just hit the, one of the buttons there. Someone will chat to you or contact you about that. Okay, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray this prayer, and you might want to just say it quietly in your heart. Even if you haven't put your hand up, you know that you, you want to step into this relationship with Jesus. Dear God, I come to you now. And I hand over my story so far to you. I ask for your forgiveness. I thank you for your love for me. Thank you that I don't have to achieve or attain anything. I just want to experience your grace and forgiveness. From this moment forward, I am now a follower of Jesus. Amen. Church, why don't we celebrate decisions that have been made?